Please take God's precious word and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 8. We'll find ourselves again at the final part of chapter 8 in the book of Acts. And the title of the message today is The Evangelist Within. The Evangelist Within. Um, a sales manager was trying to get his uh, sales, sales group to uh, kind of reposition themselves, have a new fresh vision, and he was trying an exercise with them where, where he held out a big white poster board, a big white poster, but it had a, it had a black dot right in the middle of the poster board. And he asked uh, one salesperson, what do you see? And that person said a dot. And then he asked another, what do you see? I see a dot. And a dot, and a dot, and a dot. And he got to, to everybody, and they all saw a dot. He said, I think it's very interesting that everybody sees the dot, but nobody sees the white around the dot. Think about it. I think so many of us see that black dot of self-concern. Um, when the Savior said, when Jesus said in John 4, 35, Lift up your eyes and look upon the fields. They are already white unto the harvest. That means there are plenty of lost people out there, people who do not know Christ personally as their Savior and in need of salvation. Let's stop looking at our own small lives and be aware that the gospel needs to spread. Well, God has a plan for your life, and He wants you to get your eyes, your thoughts, off of self and onto others. And I pray that this message will be used of God to do that because no matter how faithfully you attend, no matter how generously you give, no matter how cautiously you may walk with the Lord, uh, no, no matter how eloquently you may teach, uh, no matter how beautifully you may worship, if we are not endeavoring to bring men and women, boys and girls, to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not right with God. We're not right with God. I'm not talking about being successful never, uh, necessarily. I'm talking about our desire, our endeavor. If we're not endeavoring to bring men and women, boys and girls, to salvation in Christ, we're not right with God. So why do I say that? Because it's really, we're, we're commanded to do so, and it's high treason against our king when we fail to do so. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus commands his disciples to go into all the world and to make disciples. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. We call it the Great Commission. We have been commissioned to do that. And so every Christian is to be an evangelist. And it's my hope this morning that we will discover our inner evangelist within. And so the title of the message I want us to discover this morning is the evangelist within. There was a dying man, a very faithful man. He was a good man. Uh, he had his pastor come to visit him in the hospital, and he knew he was dying. His pastor knew that he was dying, and he had some final confessions in his life. And uh, he, he, he talked about, uh, I have been a, a good servant. I have, I have served my denomination well. Um, 
I have served my church well. He was a faithful church member. He was well-respected there in the life of the church. But he said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm ashamed to die. And he said, Pastor, I know that very soon I am going to meet my Lord, but I am not been a soul winner. I've not been winning souls. I've worked. I've been respected in my church, in my denomination. I've been a respected leader of people, but I have not been a soul winner. And now I'm going to meet my Lord without any souls. Think about that. Must I go empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Without one soul with which to greet Him, must I empty-handed go? That's not the way we want to meet Jesus. You want to come rejoicing, bringing in a harvest of souls laid at the Master's feet. Now, the story we have in Acts chapter 8 is the story of a man named Philip. Now, Philip was a deacon. We saw him uh, in chapter 6 along with Stephen and others. Stephen has been martyred. Uh, Philip was our subject, kind of the subject of our message last week when Simon the sorcerer stepped onto the pages of history there. And, and, uh, and we saw how Philip uh, handled, he was, he was being used mightily of God. Multitudes are being saved. And uh, God is doing incredible things here in Samaria. It was a great campaign. And though he was a deacon, he was practicing the work of an evangelist. Now, not all of us who are evangelists are going to be preachers. We can't all be preachers, but we can all be reachers. This man was a preacher and a deacon, and he was just being used mightily of God in a crusade, and the Spirit of God came to him. Now, the Bible says that an angel spoke to him. Now, the, the word angel simply means a messenger of God. And the angel said, hey, Philip, <laughs> I know things are going well for you in Samaria, that revival is breaking out, that you're seeing tremendous results, uh, and, and, but I need you to go down to the desert. I need you to go down to Gaza, and you'll find out later. <laughs> and so we're going to read, pick up in verses 26 through 35. Let's read exactly what happened. Chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and he went. And there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, or some, I've heard some say Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading from the prophet Isaiah aloud. And the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless somebody guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? 
for his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. You ought to underline that particular passage, verse 35. Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. That's that's the thematic verse for this entire passage. Now, we're going to see later on the Ethiopian came to Christ. He was saved and I believe was used as an instrument to open the gospel for the first time to people in North Africa. Now, we have here a story, but it's more than a story. I think what we see here, what we find here, is a pattern. It's a pattern of how God can use you and God can use me. Look at this statement up on the screen. God never leaves a fully surrendered and cleansed vessel unused. God never leaves a fully surrendered, fully cleansed vessel unused. You want to be used? You want to be a witness? Would you like to be an evangelist? Would you like to meet the Lord Jesus bringing so many souls with you? Would you like to rejoice in the world to come? Would you? I know that you would. And let me lay some truths upon your heart this morning that will help you to do this if you would be an evangelist. And that is every Christian, everyone among us can be used as an evangelist. So the first thing I want you to know is that we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Christ is leading and you're not listening, then you're in difficulty. (laughs) From a human viewpoint, when the world, uh, what the Holy Spirit told Philip did not really make a lot of sense. I mean, Philip was in Samaria. Philip was having a great time. He was preaching. No no more would he get a sentence out that somebody would give their life to Christ. Many people being baptized. And he's in that incredibly wonderful revival there in Samaria. And then an angel of the Lord, really God just told him to go to Gaza. To leave a successful ministry and go to Gaza. Now let me share a couple of things about that direction of the Holy Spirit that we need to be sensitive to. We need to understand that, first off, God's ways are often unexplained. Would you, would you agree with that? God's ways are often unexplained. I mean, God did not say, now, Philip, I want you to go down there. You've got an opportunity on wheels. You're, you're going to meet a, a chariot. You're going to find somebody in that chariot, and they're a very important person. I want them to come to Christ. God didn't tell him that. It's just as if Philip went under sealed orders. Kind of like Abraham in the Old Testament. You know, Abraham, I want you to get up. You're going to be the leader of a promised land, but I'm not going to tell you where. Just go. Now, I don't mean that we're just to go off willy-nilly here and there, but you are sensitive enough. Are you sensitive enough to listen to the Holy Spirit guide? If he says to you, go, then you go. You see, perfect obedience does not need to know why. In fact, I will go so far as to say perfect obedience never asks why. Say, just say, Lord, 
okay. You said to do it, I'm going to do it. And looking back over your shoulder, you can understand a whole lot more clearly why God wanted you to do something than you could looking out over the horizon. We always try to find God's will looking forward. But I believe we never see God's will looking forward, looking at the horizon. Always when we look back over our shoulder, seeing where he has brought us, then we understand the why. Oh, now I get it. Now I see. So God's ways are often unexplained. Secondly, God's ways are often unforeseen. Are often unforeseen. His ways just We just don't know where they're coming from. Philip had no idea what God had for him when he went down there. I don't know how long of a journey, how how many days or hours he spent on the the road to Gaza, but I'm sure he was going, well, I'll just keep doing what I've been doing and go where he told me to go. He did not know that God had for him to, to, to win an incredibly important public official to the Lord. And who knows, who knows what tremendous opportunities God may have for you in the future. And who knows that the next individual you lead to Christ, who knows who that may be. And I believe that there is just a a chain, kind of an unbroken chain. You win somebody to the Lord, no matter how undramatic it is, and they win somebody, and then later they win somebody. You don't know what chain reaction you're creating when you bring somebody to Jesus Christ. God says to Philip, Philip, leave Samaria. Go down to the desert. And There was a man that's going to, to go up to, all to, to North Africa with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what is this telling us? This is telling us that we need to be sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Let God's Holy Spirit lead you. Now, as, as an aside, let me tell you how he leads. Let me, let me tell, tell you, just based on everything that we've seen in God's Word and, and, and you've seen in your own life, how God operates. First of all, God, God's Spirit finds that man or woman who is hungering for the gospel. That person, is, their heart is just open to Jesus Christ. Somebody who is, who is just ready for the Lord. Now, was this man ready <laughs> that, we're, that we're reading about, this Ethiopian eunuch? You better believe he was ready. He had just come from Jerusalem. He had just been there to worship. And he was, he was so, so ready. He was seeking God. He had been to the most religious city on the face of the earth, but the wells of religion there had run dry. He's even got a copy of the Old Testament scroll in his lap. And he even has it opened up to the most remarkable book in the Old Testament, the the book that we call the Old Testament Gospel, the book of Isaiah. Could it be a more ripe time so that at that precise moment when when, uh, Philip found him, was that by accident? No way. And God has a way of orchestrating moments like that. Now, God not only works on an individual that is ready and ripe for the gospel, secondly, God works on another individual 
and, and he comes, and you're my man, you're my woman. I've got a person over here ready, softened up, hungry for the gospel, somebody in need. Would you go down there? Would you go there and witness to them? God works on the sinner, and God works on the soul winner. And when we're sensitive to His direction, God miraculously brings us together. And my, may I say, it ain't no big deal for God. We might see it, wow, I can't believe you were here and I was, I was about ready to come over here and talk to you about the gospel and you, you stood up and you asked me first and wow, God is amazing. He's just doing this all the time. God is the ultimate networker. So be sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Number two, number two, be swift to the demands of the Holy Spirit. Be swift to the demands of the Holy Spirit. That is, be ready and willing and then move out instantly. Acts 8, 29 through 30, the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? Now, had he not run, he would have missed this opportunity on wheels. I mean, he had to run to catch up to this Ethiopian. And he could have had plenty of excuses. I know there are times when God has prompted my heart to witness. And I let the opportunity pass. I nearly always found some reason not to. But if Philip had used any of these excuses, uh, he could just rationalize it away. You know, well, somebody else will get him. He could have said, well... He's rich and, uh, and important. I shouldn't approach him. Or he could have said, uh, he's reading. In fact, he's even reading from the Scriptures. Well, I don't want to interrupt what the Spirit might be doing with him right now. I'll just let the Spirit speak through him, to him. Or he's of another race. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to speak to him. But Philip ran because, listen, the time was right. The time was ripe, but the time was short. The time was ripe, but the time was short. And we miss a lot of golden opportunities because we're not swift to the demands of the Holy Spirit, and we allow those opportunities to slip through our fingers. And God is teaching me this, and I sometimes argue, or I want to just stall God, or sometimes just walk away from a missed opportunity. And we, we sing around this time of the year, be swift, my soul, to answer Him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Be swift, my soul, to answer Him. God is marching on. Philip was in lockstep with the Lord. We need to be in lockstep with the Lord, taking those opportunities where we can get them. The third thing, not only be swift to the demands of the Holy Spirit, and not only must we be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but be steadfast in the desire of the Spirit. Be steadfast, be strong in what the Spirit wants you to do 
So what is the desire of the Spirit for each of us that we share Jesus Christ? John chapter 15 uh, has, has these words from our Lord. When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me. You also, you also, that is us, will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will testify me, Jesus said, and you will testify. Remember when we began this study on Acts back in 1-8, chapter 1, verse 8, and Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. What is the desire of the Holy Spirit for each of us? The desire of the Spirit is that we be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read again uh, verse 30 through verse 35 in chapter 8 of the book of Acts, beginning with verse 30. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? Well, can't, how can I? He said, unless somebody guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, the Spirit was present. Let me just stop. The Spirit was present with that eunuch, with that Ethiopian official. But he did not have such clarity to where he could understand who Isaiah was talking about. He knew that the person was special. He knew that the person was real. But he needed somebody to explain. And God gave the words to Philip. Remember, he was just a deacon, just a servant, serving in the church, just an ordinary individual. And he will give you the words that you need as well. Let's pick up. Now, the scripture passage he was reading was, he, led, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearers, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. What's the desire of the Spirit? That we share Jesus. What did Philip talk to this man about? Well, I'll tell you what he did not talk to him about. He didn't talk to him about denominational differences. He didn't talk to him about racial issues. He didn't talk to him about politics and Ethiopia versus politics in Jerusalem. He talked about the most important subject in the entire world that has been and will forever be until the eternity comes, and that is Jesus. That's the message we need today is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a lot of people today who are just doing a lot of wonderful things, but Jesus is left out. And how did Philip share the Lord Jesus Christ? Three basic things that he told the Philippian. Number one, he was a sinner in need of a Savior. Now, he didn't come, these are not in so many words. He didn't say, you're a sinner. You know, he, he, he just showed him. 
You're a sinner in need of a Savior. In, in fact, the, chapter 53, where this Ethiopian was, in verse 6, it says, we all went astray like sheep. We've all turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for our iniquity, for the iniquity of us all. We need to teach people every day, just as Philip taught this Ethiopian, that, that he could be saved and that he needed to be saved and that as a sinner, unforgiven, he could be saved and he needed to be saved. There are none so good that they need not be saved and none so bad that they cannot be saved. They have to understand first that they are a sinner. Number two, Christ died for him. <laughs> Christ died for him. He took that text and showed how Jesus, the Lamb of God, like the Lamb, like, like the lamb through the slaughter, died upon the cross, took our place on the cross as a substitute. See, a holy God cannot look over, cannot overlook sin. He can't get past that. Somebody has to take care of it. And that sin must be paid for. And it was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ upon that cross. I read somewhere that a housekeeper had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. She was so excited about her, about her faith, and she was really exuding with that enthusiasm. And uh, a, a man that she knew, you know, was kind of a skeptic, uh, started to make fun of her. And he said, uh, so how does it feel to be a saint? And she said, well, I don't know really what a saint is, but I, I tell you, I know that I'm saved by grace. And I look forward to heaven. That's about all I know. Oh, oh, you've been saved, have you? <laughs> well, what's it like then to be saved? And she said, I probably couldn't explain it to where you could understand it. But she said, I'll tell you what it feels like to me. It feels like I'm standing in Jesus' shoes. And he's standing over here in mine. I tell you, a theologian could not say it. Any better than that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He takes our place that we might take his. What do you need to understand in order to be saved? What is the, the desire of the Spirit? We're sinners and we need to be saved. All we like sheep have gone astray. Jesus, the Lamb of God, led through the slaughter for us and number three salvation is by faith salvation is by faith it is not works of any kind it is the gift of God how do I know that that this was preached by Philip to this ever listening Ethiopian well let's pick up verse 36 as they were traveling down the road they came to some water and the eunuch said Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Now, here's where you're lucky if you have a King James Version in, in your lap because it has verse 37. The rest of our versions don't have it. But it's a, it's a good verse. It says, Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may be saved. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to have believers' baptism. Not baptism before you believe, but believers' baptism. It's not that baptism saves you, but it is an act of obedience that genuinely is an illustration and a demonstration of your salvation. I'm going to preach, and I have more to say about this next week. But for now, notice what he says to, to this Ethiopian. You know, he's a finance officer. He was a treasurer. Mr. Treasurer, you, you must believe with all of your heart, and then you'll be saved. Salvation is by faith through grace. Listen, none of it depends on you. If you even allow, well, look, Pastor, say, I, I, I'm going to have 99% on the Lord. But 1% is something I've just got to do. I, I can't believe I'm going to be saved and not do anything. Then you can't be saved. That's not grace. If you were hanging over a precipice and looking down, 2,000 feet below you were nothing but jagged rocks. But you had a chain. And you had 100 links on that chain. 99 links of that chain were of good tungsten steel. One link, but only one link, was made of crepe paper. Just one. How safe would you be? Friend, if any part of your salvation depends on you, you're not going to make it. It is by grace. What did Philip? What did Philip preach to his new friend, this Ethiopian eunuch? He preached to him that he's a sinner. That Christ died for him. And if he will put his faith where God placed his sins upon the Lord Jesus Christ, he can be saved. As a conclusion to this message, I could think of no other better way than to read verses 38 and 39. So he ordered the chariot to stop. And, and, and both uh, Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. Amen and amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that everyone here is genuinely saved Father, I pray that they know the Lord Jesus Christ so personally, so intimately that they're going to leave this sanctuary in just a moment rejoicing, rejoicing over their salvation. But Father, maybe there's, there's some here who've yet to make that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they've yet to say yes to Jesus. Maybe they believe about Him. Maybe they, they understand something about Him. Maybe they know some facts about Him. But Father, help them to understand that it's not the same as knowing Him personally. And it's the difference between going to heaven when we die and not. So Lord, I pray that You'll convict them right now and that they would simply open up their hearts and pray a prayer kind of like this. Jesus, I believe You are who You say You are, the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross, 
but I don't believe it was for no purpose. I believe you died because you loved me so much and wanted to save me from my sins. Jesus, I accept that gift. The pastor call it, calls it grace. I don't know so much about grace, but I receive it. And, and I receive forgiveness of my sins now. And I, I thank you for saving me and coming into my life. Lord, I look forward to being with you in eternity in heaven. But now, help me to live the most fulfilled life, the most abundant life I can live right now. And Father, as we continue this time of invitation, I pray for all of us that if there's that soul, that, that somebody out there that we've been thinking about, that we would reach down into our inner evangelist, the evangelist within, and pull that person up and share our faith with them. Lord, we, we don't have to be successful. We don't know whether or not we're going to be successful when we share our faith. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. We live that to you. But Father, help us just to be obedient. To be obedient. We don't want to commit high treason against our Lord and Savior Jesus. He gave His life for us and then, and then told us to go and make disciples, to be witnesses. And I pray today that you will call upon all of us and touch our hearts to do just that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.